Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 90. Brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter, if you dare, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Eight Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Brand Stark. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Bran, how you doing, brother? Imagine, imagine there being a show <laughs> with a ton of amazing characters. Yeah. It's like so many like inspirational, interesting, deep characters. And the one you look like is Bran Stark. <laughs> the most notable thing I ever did was be needy. I mean, obviously, besides besides falling out of the tower. You lobotomized Hodor. You may have built the wall way back when. You might be the Night King. I mean, there's tons of things you might right. be. If I end up being the Night King, big W. Big W. <laughs> We're officially rooting for that now. But other than that, I'm just the, the pointless Stark. I just, there's no real reason for me to be doing anything for the past six seasons. Benjen was more interesting, for God's sakes. When I was reading the books, I often just kind of breezed through the brand chapters where he was like working into one of the dire wolves or whatever. I found him so uninteresting. And as I started to go through, I'm like, oh, wow, he's actually like really, really key to the whole story. Maybe that's why they've been spending so much pointless time on him. But. That's a whole another story. I'm sure he'll get his comeuppance in the last season and do something cool, hopefully for your brand. But yeah, this, someone posted the picture. I forget who originally did it, but it was a couple days ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is funny and annoying. And <laughs> I, I haven't been able to shake it since. I've been thinking about it constantly. I told my fiance she died laughing. She's like, this is, like, you look exactly like him. I was like, you're marrying me. Like, this is not a good idea. This, you should be disagreeing right now. <laughs> but I haven't been able to shake it. I've just kept thinking about it. And then today... I was just like, you know, working, I was doing something and it wiggled its way back in my mind. I was like, fudge, I look like Bran Stark, man. Funny and annoying is what is happening to your brand, especially when you let somebody like me as a producer and editor kind of control those things. But we're going to get into one of those funny and annoying things because we have some official visits to report on before we get to the main topic of the show, which is going to be ranking the players within the needs. So what we did on Kiss and Solak mm. Show 89 was we went through what we felt were our top needs for the Eagles entering the 2019 NFL Draft. Now we are going to take those top needs. We are going to rank those positions as far as how we have the prospects ranked within those positions. But before we get to that, again, we have some official visits to update you on. They are coming in fast and furious. First up, Penn State running back Miles Sanders official visit. Nah, you gotta you gotta bring more, Ben. You gotta bring more, Ben. Okay, wait, I I can't remember right. I can't remember. Is it? 
Wahahu or Wahahahu? No, it's just one. It's just one in the middle. I, I'm go. ready. I'm ready. Yeah, we'll try it again. Oklahoma State running back, Justice Hill, official visit. Wahahu! Bring it. Got to bring more energy. Got to bring more energy, Ben. Baylor wide receiver Jalen Hurd is an official visit. Oh, they brought in Jalen Hurd? Yeah. <laughs> Wahahoo! There we go. Now see, we're getting I thought there. it'd be more genuine, right? Yeah. Authentic. Now, let's see how, how high you get for this one. Notre Dame defensive tackle Jerry Tillery is an official visit. Wahahoo! <laughs> I don't even know what to do with my lips. Like, how do I... I have no idea how I made this sound in the first place. And I've been trying to replicate it along with the Brand Stark thing for days. And it's just not possible. Okay, get really hyped for this one because this is a guy that we've both talked about, both love, right? 4-3-3 at the Combine. Official visit, Georgia wide receiver, Mikkel Hardman. Wahoo! You get to bring, you get to, Like, you really got to bring it. You're the one who's got to edit all these. There's like five, like, like just sound waves totally off the charts in the podcast. All for you. So what do you think of these official visits? I wrote a piece recently on BleedingGreenNation.com finding like a complimentary piece for Jordan Howard, which is like a short-term view of things, but finding the areas where like we have holes in the in the backfield, where which I found to be breaking tackles in space, being elusive, and also the, the second one being pass catching, receiving ability. Darrell Henderson, who's an official visit, was one of those guys for me, the top well, guy as far as like the analytics go. Uh, any other guys on that list? Justice Hill is a guy that we mocked to the Eagles in our last seven round mock. I think yeah. it was 87 or 88 Kiston Solak and he was a day three guy that we liked so they're bringing in a lot of running backs they're also bringing in these big wide receivers like Jalen Hurd and then you have Tillery matched with Christian Wilkins who was another visit like they're they're really hitting these positions of need pretty hard yeah no I, I find the big slot vibe very interesting so it's been Jalen Hurd AJ Brown for sure. Did they have Nikhil Harry or no? Yeah, Nikhil Harry was one. Right, Nikhil Harry. And then obviously like they've had Miko Hardman and Paris Campbell as well. So obviously some clear like speedy gadget types, which I've long held the belief. I don't know if it's like strong enough to be a belief. Like it's just like an opinion. But I very much have felt like Peterson wants a gadget player the way he had in Kansas City with Ter- with Tyreek Hill. Mm. And they've, they've used Aguilar in gadgety sort of ways, but it's never been super productive for them. And I think they really would like that gadget type, that Paris Campbell type. I don't think they want to spend an early pick on it, but I do think it is a mold they want to fill. Dexter McCluster was another guy that they brought in, local guy from where I'm from, former Largo High School player that kicked us out of the uh, kick Seminole out of the playoffs. I remember him. He was a gadget player for them. So it's like, yep. they, like that mold. I get what you're saying. Yeah, no. And I'll be interested to see if they look at a guy like Memphis running back wide receiver Tony Pollard, mm. who I think very much fits that gadgety style of role. But regardless, happy they're doing the homework on Sanders. If he's there at 53-57, he's definitely going to be in play. I'm not a huge fan of his film, to be very honest with you, but a lot of the things I don't like about his film are like the common cure for them is just experience. Like he's a one year starter who is behind Saquon Barkley. So you can understand why he really hasn't gotten too many reps. Are you concerned with the fact that his fumble rate is like 2.6 per 100 carries? Like, and a lot of them came against contact. I know fumbles aren't sticky necessarily, but his seem to be kind of alarming when you have that many of them. My thing is this. Kareem Hunt had like no fumbles in 3,974 carries <laughs> in college. And then his like second carry, he fumbled, right? Like right. Against the Patriots in week one. Yep. Even more so than drops, in my opinion. Fumbling is so very situational that what I'm looking for are like, are you clearly completely careless with the football? Right. If I can't see that on film, then it doesn't really worry me. Sanders, as a player, 
his game is predicated on stringing multiple moves together and high emphasis change of direction, bursty, explosive, severe stuff to maintain balance at his size. You have to let your arms separate from your frame. You know what I mean? Like you need your arms to do what he does. And so I'm not surprised the ball circles away from his frame a little bit. It's something that you see on film. So I like it's on my radar, but it's not something that as an evaluator, I, I'm going to take a huge amount of stocking because I just don't think it's super sticky year to year statistically. And I don't see like an egregious, yeah, complete indifference uh, towards protecting the football. Now, so like you know, don't don't love his film, but would like to uh, like if he's there fifty three, fifty seven, he like he makes sense as like a an upside guy. Like you think you can solve the problems with experience. Yeah. Justice Hill makes we talked about this when he was mocked. Makes a ton of sense as a day three guy uh, because he'll be that role player type. You know, manage touches. So he'll be the zone style runner. How to run power? It'll be very nice heard mm. i was going to ask you about him because he's a guy who was at tennessee as a running back and then yes. alvin kamara started eating some carries from him i always thought they should have started kamara over him i didn't really like Hurd as a running back i haven't watched really his tape as a wide receiver but i've seen some clips and like it looks like yeah. he's really focused on the technical aspects of the position more so than you would think a lot of the current analysis on Hurd is based off of the same four clips that you've seen go around most likely yes and there's something like like when we talk about good route running uh as a trait for receivers and like the number one thing a receiver needs to do well a lot of route running comes from experience. And when I say that, what I mean is like there's like a great clip of Hurd hitting like a beautiful like uh, co- uh, post corner, right? Just yeah. beautiful little little post corner. He totally flips around the slot corner and it's great. But he was unabated at the line of scrimmage, right? And basically a good athlete did a good athletic thing in that route. He understood the steps. He understood you know what his landmarks Spacing. were and he got in and out of the route. I'm much more interested in a player's ability to run routes when he's uh, accosted at the line, when he's affected in the contact window. I'm much more interested in his ability to run routes uh, where clearly he has to adjust the route to coverage, mm. where he's getting like, you know, a cap coverage or he's getting cones or there's, you know, a safety rotation. And you can see that he's working into space. And so like Hurd has all the athletic tools to be a good route runner and is a good route runner in the sense that he snaps off his brakes nicely. But a lot of the stuff that he does as a route runner is just clearly inexperienced, which is fine. It's just like he's getting graded as, you know, uh, like, like round three, round four. And I can't get my head around that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's like, firmly a day three guy for me and he'll be drafted far above that because of the athletic potential because of his ability with the ball in his hands and i'm fine with that like if you want to take the gamble on it go for it i don't think philadelphia will at the price point at which he would be selected you know what i mean but obviously super interesting profile because like Hurd could be a tremendous wide receiver and we don't know i mean to the tennessee point yeah i mean he started over alvin kamara quote unquote but the reality was butch jones the head coach of tennessee like, there are coaches who don't know what they're doing, and then there's Butch Jones. It's just, like, a different level right. of incompetence. Yeah. Hurd got the heck out of there. Like, Hurd switched positions to leave. Obviously, you know, like he, he also, like, the wide receiver is beneficial for him. But, like, he was just so poorly miscast and misused. And so, yeah, like, he's, he's such an interesting profile as to what exactly he's going to be, where he's going to get lined up, how he's going to be used. He's a ton of fun. And then Tillery. Tillery, a little bit like Hurd. Two pass rushes against Stanford go around the timeline for two months, and all of a sudden he's a first rounder. And it's like, all right, well, let's chill. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a second rounder, and that's fine. He's like an early second rounder. I, I would be very comfortable drafting him in the first round. Yep. I don't think he's a top twenty player. We have to acknowledge that weight wise, he I think at Stanford or at Notre Dame he was playing a little bit under three hundred, and then he just recently had soldier surgery. He is not a thick, dense dude. He's a little bit long and he's a little bit lean, which is fine if that's your mold. He's something to be aware of as far as his ability to hold up in the run game and against double teams. Uh, and then 
really like a late emergence for a, a, a high star recruit, which is good to see. Is it a flash in the plan? The pan is always the question you have to answer when like a really highly touted recruit suddenly has one good season his last senior year. Like what really is the author behind this? So there's just like, no, I, I want to say like cause for suspicion. There's just like, you have to be a little bit more careful around Tillery that I think some people are addressing it. But the thing is like, dude can rush the passer from the interior. So draft him in the first round done like if he's a pick at 25 i'm assuming wilkins is off the board but if he's, if he's a pick at 25 like to me i'm totally fine with that it's great so this is all a lead up as we go into our positional rankings here in a second but this is all a lead up again to our big board fight which is going to be the next show but can i get a peek at your big board when it comes to tillery i think we have him ranked pretty similarly and i don't think this will be a point of contention i have him at 26th overall that's exactly what happened <laughs> We did that. We've done that with Chauncey at 15 and now Tillery at 26. Yeah, I have Christian Wilkins at 25 and Jerry Tillery at 26. Yeah, I'm higher on Wilkins, which will be a fight that we're going to have for multiple reasons here coming up soon here at Bleeding Green Nation. Ben is shaking his head. I don't care. I'm right. He's wrong. That's how things work on this show. Love you too. Thank you, Brand. So when we come back here on Bleeding Green Nation on the Kist and Solak show, we are going to be ranking the top positions of need as we saw them for the Eagles. We're going to be talking about running back. We're going to be talking about offensive tackle. We shall get to safeties as well, which is a fun position loaded with talent. That's here next on Bleeding Grid Nation. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 90. Ben, who's 90? Who's What episode is this? Oh, Marcus, uh, good old Marcus Smith, baby. First round pick oh, yeah. out of Louisville. Pass rusher. That's ominous. What did he do for like one season that was kind of good? Now I got to go remember. He had a bonkers numbers of like tackle, tackles for loss in that and a good amount I of I mean, sorry. Marcus Smith is one of the main reasons I started getting like into into the draft really because he was selected and i like read a little bit about him and like you know like look at his stats and i was like he's gonna be amazing <laughs> and then guess what happened mike he sucks yeah he was so bad i was big into the draft and when they selected him i was like who is this person i followed it pretty decently every chip kelly era first rounder made no sense to me at all i didn't even like i didn't like the Aguilar pick i was like what are we doing right now i was i was high on Aguilar, but i think that kind like, of what if we got rid of jeremy macklin for somebody who might be jeremy macklin <laughs> well yeah, i know injuries kind of derailed great. Him after, what, what, what did macklin do after that did he have many productive seasons after that 
I don't think he did. Like, I, I know there were injuries. No, he didn't. But it felt like, obviously, right. like, uh, at the uh, time. hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. At the time, you you created a need to fill a need. And meanwhile, Landon Collins was just sitting there at 20. Like, yeah, exactly. You know. And obviously, Eagles had Peters too. in the safety position. I know that. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to draft Peters, though. Kelly would have hated Marcus Peters. I knew they weren't going to draft Peters. I said I wanted Peters, but the fact that his character was so uh, talked right. about. And Kelly wouldn't like, be able to deal with it. I, I mocked Aguilar to the Eagles because, like, he's a team captain. That's the kind of guy that Chip Kelly likes. That's right. the people he's taking, the people that. Aguilar, Aguilar had some fun film at USC. It's true. He really did. Yeah. All right, so let's get into these positional rankings. We might as well start with the top need as we saw it on the Kist and Solak show, episode 88. Let's go with the safety position. We're looking for the heir apparent to either Malcolm Jenkins or a future replacement for Rodney McLeod, who long-term future with the team is in doubt. Number one, I'll start. I have Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. Number two, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida. Both first-round grades for me, by the way. Very close on my big board. Number three, I'm super high on Darnell Savage from Maryland, who was an official visit for the Eagles. Oh, he's Eagles. three? Yeah. Wow. I love the cathedral ceiling, baby. I'm hoping he's religious. Number four, Deontay Thompson from Alabama. A little bit of a slide since uh, since the beginning of the season. Number five, Taylor Rapp from Washington. Number six, Amani Hooker from Iowa. Give me smart defensive backs. You have Rapp? At five. Yeah. You haven't said Juan Thornhill's name yet. I have not. Juan Thornhill, number seven from Virginia. Like, honestly, from four to seven, super, super tight for me. And then eight, kind of like as that the highest third round grade or close to that that I have is Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. Ben, where do you take Umbridge? Oh, man, I was I was going to say, I was going to say Umbridge. And then you already said it. Um, <laughs> I know you So here's well. my thing with, with, with Taylor Rapp above Thornhill, and you also had him above Hooker. Yeah. yeah. Here's my thing with that. Honestly, like honestly, I don't hate it. Uh, if I look, so Rapp is my is my safety seven, and he comes in at fifty fourth overall. Whereas I have like Hooker at thirty nine, and I have Thornhill at thirty four. So I have Thornhill thirty four overall, Darnell Savage thirty five overall, and Amani Hooker thirty nine overall. Yeah. So they come in on on a six player little island there. There's three of them just right next to each other, and then Rapp is a step down. Now, I can understand having Rap up in that group because Rap is super high floor. Mm. Like Rap is just gonna play in the league and he's gonna play in the league for a long time and yep. he's gonna be fine and it's all gonna be well and dandy. I don't really see much bust potential for Hooker. I don't see much for Thornhill. I, don't, I, I see a little bit for Savage, I guess, because he's smaller. Though Thornhill, did you catch this? Apparently, apparently teams think Thornhill's dumb. Which is weird. Yeah, did you read this? Yeah, Andrew DiCecco was on the, the Pro Day Circuit BGN Radio special. He talked with Thornhill and said he loved his football intelligence. I find it very interesting that teams think that his experience, like, it doesn't right. show up on film for me. Yeah, and that's it. That, right, that was the thing I was going to say. Virginia's out there <laughs> running some coverages, man. Right. Virginia's like, they're, they're doing some stuff. That was a good secondary, and yeah. Thornhill played a lot of roles in. It's very interesting. I talked with Thornhill a little bit at the Senior Bowl, and he's dead. Like I, we didn't talk talk much football, but he's clearly very well spoken. Mm. So I wonder. Is, is they're saying it's on the whiteboard specifically? So maybe that maybe that's a problem for Thornhill. Some teams want to move him back to corner, which I get it because of the length, because yeah. the explosion is kind of that Byron Jones, Obi Melifonwu situation. So I get having Rap up there, but to me, when I just look purely at athletic profiles and what that means as a potential early to mid round two selection like i just i wouldn't hate taking rap there but if there's another one of those guys on the board who i think can offer so much more in terms of ball hawking in terms of playmaking i talked with tim hawk hawk tim hawk hawk 
the Eagles safety coach, mm. H-A-U-C-K. Yeah. I talked to them uh, uh, past training camp, and we talked about evaluating safeties because it's notoriously tricky. And he was like, the number one thing I look for is just the ability to make plays on the ball. Yep. And Rap just doesn't make plays on the ball. Yeah. So Four to me, plays. like that, like again, Rap's going to stay in the league, and he's a high-floor guy, and he's a great character guy, and he's a great tackler. I, would st- I, w- I don't want him to be in the same tier as those guys because if – Rap was one of two on the board. I would want the other guy. So it's important to me that Rap's below. That's my main upbringing. What if I put it to you like this? From 30 to 48, I have Savage, Thompson, Rap, Hooker, and Thornhill. Thornhill, after Thompson, is the next free safety, single high type safety. So it does sure, depend yeah. on what you're looking for as well. So I'm not going right. to stick to my rankings if I need a certain thing. So I like Thornhill in that role. I think he makes makes sense if you want to take him before those other guys. They're very, yeah. very close for me, clustered together. What about what about right. your rankings? Let's let's fight. I want to fight with you. Yeah, yeah no, no. So I've got uh, safety one, 15 overall is Chauncey. Uh, and then 21 overall and 22 overall, Deontay Thompson and Sierra Adderley back-to-back. Calm down. Okay, okay. Uh, 34 is Juan Thornhill. 35 is Darnell Savage. 39, Amani Hooker. 54, Taylor Rapp. My big surprise, which I didn't think this was going to happen, but it did. I don't even know how I feel about it. 63 overall is Ugo Amadi out of Oregon. Ooh. 74, Jonathan Abram, Mississippi State. And then 85, uh, to round up my top 10, Mike Edwards out of Kentucky. I have 11 safeties in my top 100, Mike. I like that. Sheldrick Redwine is last one out of Miami. Good player. With Jonathan Abram getting so much first-round hype, like back end of the first-round type of hype, and I think he can honestly go there because, like we've talked about, teams are going to take a weird safety in the first round. We Listen, saw Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper said the Eagles are going to take Jonathan <laughs> Abram, Titus Howard, and Bobby Okariki. Oh, I was so triggered. Yeah, I'm not that high on Abram, man. I love the physicality that he brings, but I don't know if he can cover like in-breaking and out-breaking routes. I think the long speed is, is fine to carry routes and cover tight ends and whatnot, but he just seems like... If he's lined up against like a slot receiver or has to do something like that or react to like a bunch switch release type deal, I feel like he's really going to struggle hanging with those guys. Is that your main concern with Abram and why you have him so low? Yeah, so the thing like Abram is uh, Abram makes me sad. Here's why it makes me sad, Mike. I want to love because, him because he's so physical. It's awesome. Right. So like it's like like you like Gant, that Marshall safety, right? Right. And then he tested horribly, but I loved his right. take. But like if we if we just go right if we just go on film like Gant is a super fun watch yeah and it's he's really fun to root for yeah because like he's he's super physical and he's he's very explosive on a straight line at least on film and like you know he he tackles he brings the heat and it's fun because like you don't really know of him and he's like exciting and Marshall if there was no like first round buzz around Abram he'd be such a fun tape watch yeah. but because of first round bud you're watching it and you're like what the is this like <laughs> come on you know yeah. what I mean. Abram is like if safeties just had to play on the compass rows like if football was played on a grid if this was tech mobile Abram is like player one I got a straight line dude's awesome (laughs) and then you ask a brother to drop his hips and take a corner and it's just not great I agree and so what what do you do with that player well it's tricky if you put him in the box which makes sense for Abram's size and physicality he's going to be taking less straight lines. If you put him at free safety, he gets to take more, you know, straight angles downhill flying to the football. But now also you're exposing him in coverage. Does he have the range? Does he have the ball skills? I don't really want him in man coverage that much as yet. So I do want him in zones. It's a tricky deployment is the moral of the story here. He has that frame that you're like, ah, put him on tight ends. And then you watch him try to deal with like the Iowa tight ends in the bowl game. Nope. Like we can't do that right now with this profile. So to me, Abram is, is a player. Like sometimes you, you know, you say like, 
Like for me, like I have Amadi above him. Well, I have a very clear role for Amadi. Amadi right. is a is a is a Darnell Savage nickel box type. That's right. what Amadi's gonna play. Amadi's a great he's an ex corner. He's a man coverage sort of a guy. He's gonna be that great nickel safety for you and he can play a deep half, but he has a very clear role. Abram more traitsy, has more splash plays than Amadi, but I can't figure out the role for him. And so yeah. it's harder to grade him out higher. If it was 15 years ago, would Abram be your safety one? 15 years ago, Abram would be my linebacker one. <laughs> Nutcase. Dude, uh, I can't remember which film it was now. There's one game where, like, you know, on my grading scale, like, you know, I grade on traits like 0 through 100. It's like, you know, by, by increments of 5. And 90 is elite. And so it's very rare that I, I give out 100. I gave Abram a, a 100 on physicality for one grade. I can see if I can find it. Was it the spring game that he ended where he killed his own <laughs> teammate? <laughs> no. There was one game where I was like, he was just like taking people's heads off. I was like, I don't even care. This is one of the most, most ridiculously like like self-unaware games I've ever seen. The dude's going to wake up tomorrow broken in 10 places. Yeah, absolutely. He's a heat-seeking missile, man. As you find that, we'll go to... Well, let me... I want to ask you one more quick question on safeties. Yeah. You watched Mike Edwards? Do you watch the Kentucky kid? I need to watch more of him, man. I've seen him as I've watched other Kentucky players. I like him. I don't know how much I like him. So he's one of the ones I, I rock with him. him. Yeah, he's solid. If we're like, I don't think he'll be around at 127. Right. But that's where I would really like him. That's where I think a player of his caliber should go. I think he's going to go higher because of some of the senior bowl stuff, because like he does have like a lot of versatility. He started all over the place for that secondary of his career. Like he's literally started like just linebacker, you know, overhang, whatever, like every position they have, like spur, you know. And so teams really like that. But I really like him at value i just think he's gonna go too early that's fair let's go to offensive tackle which was our second biggest need we felt for the eagles because of the situation going on with jason peters's health are we relying on that if we draft one we definitely trade big v i feel like he's regressed let's kick it off with our top offensive tackle so i have jonah williams at number one these this is a very close bunch by the way these are like bing 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 on my big board all top 10 players so Jonah Williams, Alabama, number one. Then I have Jawan Taylor, Florida, number two. Cody Ford, number three. Oklahoma, freaking love his game. I wish I could give him a higher grade, but that's it is what it is. After that, I have Andre Dillard, who ended up as a top 20 player for me at number four. Yadni Kajust at number five. Greg Little at number six. David Edwards from Wisconsin at number seven and then i think that's where i start to need to finish some evals but like guys like bobby evans chuma doga come come there like the fourth round range which is where edward starts in the fourth round what about you do you take any umbrage with those you said you wished you could have cody ford higher what about his eval kept him low for you because that's my offensive tackle one his his athleticism score wasn't great and it just na- there's nothing i can really do about that but i feel like he's more athletic on film so that pushed him down. Like, understand when I say that these players are close, it's Jonah Williams with a final grade of 79.4, Juwan Taylor at 79.1, Cody Ford at 78.4. So it's like yeah. super, super tight. Yeah, I'm, so I've got Cody Ford at 7.78 as my office tackle one. Juwan Taylor is, is 7.71. <laughs> and then Jonah Williams is 7.63. Yeah. So you could flip that this order. This is my 7th, ninth, and 11th overall players. On my big board, they are six, seven, eight. <laughs> so you could flip them, yeah. however you like them. Pick your flavor. Uh, but yeah, four. I think it's just it was this athleticism athleticism score that knocked them a little bit. Jonah Williams is so freaking clean, and Taylor is just a, a a monster 
in the run right. game, and I, I I like the uh, the ceiling that he's got. Did you say? Did you say? Were you the one on, who said earlier on Twitter that like Jonah Williams has been so good for so long that we're starting to just like forget? Is yeah. that you? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I mean that that's what it is. Like, so Williams is three out of those three for me. But that's that's what it is with Williams. It's like we're trying to poke holes in just what's a very good football player at right. this point. So right. So the way that athletic testing gets factored into by grades is that each position has certain tests that are weighed heavily than others and it's all weight adjusted and so cody ford jumped which is big for tackles for me mm. above average at a markedly above average weight and so his athletic testing in like you know it, it, it I, I think it increased his grade it at least didn't change it because those particular tests that i value for offensive tackles he was strong at at like an 90th percentile weight or whatever it was so that's where like obviously ford's like ford's short shuttle and three cone were both awful if memory serves mm. but those don't impact me too much i know yeah. like josh norris is big on like short shuttles for tackles yeah. but i don't like that that's the i don't use that in my grading the way that i use the jumps because from what i understand the jumps really are the ones that that translate but regardless cody ford offensive tackle one uh juan taylor offensive tackle two jonah williams offensive tackle number three big drop off 30th overall yadney kajust uh, 31st, Dalton Reisner, 46, Andre Dillard, 64, David Edwards, 71, Chuma Edoga, 81, Caleb McGarry, 84, Bobby Evans. I have, those was, that was my top 10. I have 12 in my top 100. Where did you have Dillard again? Dillard is six. And the thing about Dillard is this. A lot of his film I like. Some stuff bothers me, nitpicky, whatever. But, and this is something that you see often in, in offensive tackle evaluations, in my opinion. Because of what he was asked to do, there's just areas of offensive tackle play that I just don't know how good he is. Like, right. I, I can't say he's good. You're projecting. Like, yeah, exactly. And so it's hard to give him strong grades in those categories where I've seen him do it like three times. Mm. And accordingly, on my board, which is for all 32 teams, he ends up at offensive tackle six. If you know how you want to deploy your tackles... You could have him top 20, top 25, and I wouldn't really care that much. So, yeah. for example, I don't think Dillard is a great fit in Philadelphia because Philadelphia loves to have their tackles have the ability to jump set, at least. And it's something that they incorporate. Like, Lane very frequently takes deep vertical sets. But as Peters, as he's gotten older, too, has more frequently jump set. And he's more frequently won early in the reps. Yeah. And that's something Philadelphia needs to use with the way they run their play action game. So, Dillard, who I just like, have objectively never seen jump set doesn't make uh, a lot of sense for them unless you've sat with Stoutland and Stoutland's worked it out and been like, yeah, like this kid can jump set. Have you seen a move? It'd be great. Right. Dillard probably can. He's a top yeah. 50 player for me. But there's there's areas of his game where I just, I can't tell you right now that I'm positive he can check these boxes. Like that, that kind of sounds like scheme dependent. It's a little bit different because I think it's not as clear that he's bad at X, Y, and Z. It's just hard. Like, like when you use a, a, a rigid grading scale for 32 teams instead of, a heuristic approach for one team things like this happen to players like dillard you've seen it happen to other players before like i'm i'm circling through right now to like garrett bradbury garrett bradbury's 28th on my board mm. i think garrett bradbury could be one of the best players in this draft if he goes to los angeles rams yeah but i can't put him much higher than 28 because i can't give him strong grades in things like anchoring and pass protection right. which may not be a huge deal if his offense runs exclusively play action passes like the rams <laughs> do you know what i mean so no that's fair Dialing back for a second before we move on to the running back position, which was our third need. If I move Cody Ford's athleticism score one single point out of 10, 
He's my offensive tackle one. That's how close they are. You uh, Did you say Reisner in your offensive tackles? Or are you grading, grading him into your offensive line? Into your offensive line. I think his pass ah, is a bit of a mess at times. Coward! He, he'll turn and run. and Scallywag. Yellow-bellied, <laughs> lily-livered, coward. I'm usually, he's an offensive tackle until he's a guard type of guy. I think Reisner, plug him in at guard, forget about it. Don't worry about trying to make him work at tackle. Put him in at guard. He's better there. He'll be better there. He'll play for a long time. So he's a high player on my board, but he's one of the few where I'm like, mm, I don't know about that pass. I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. Kicking him inside. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the running back position before we get out of here. Number one for me, Josh Jacobs, Alabama. Had that take for a while. Number two, Darrell Henderson from Memphis. Eagles official visit again. Number three, and I love this guy, and I know you're not as high on him. But I'm dying on this hill. Bruce Anderson from North Dakota State. This starts my what? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a third round grade. I don't like. I don't like this running back class, Ben. So is a third round grade that crazy on Bruce Anderson, or should I have more second round grades? Like I don't. I don't know how to parse that out. My running back three is also a third round grade. (laughs) Just having Bruce Anderson as a third round grade is nuts. Yeah, you're nuts. Anyway, Damian Harris, my running back four from Alabama. Rodney Anderson gets bumped down due to injury. He was originally my running back two from Oklahoma. He's my running back five now. Then we get into David Montgomery from Iowa State. Miles Sanders is my last third round grade four running backs from Penn State, obviously. Then we have in the fourth round, we'll just we'll do the fourth round guys here. Divina Zigbo from Nebraska is next. Justice Hill from Oklahoma State after that, who we've already talked about. Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic. Man, I wish he tested better, but he did, I think, hit 1.6. On the on the, on the ten yard split, which is which is all right, right on the borderline. Then James Williams, who has over two hundred career catches from Washington State, is the last of my fourth round grades. Oh no, I think uh, Higdon and Holyfield, Elijah Hig- uh, Elijah Holyfield from Georgia and Karan Higdon may have slipped into my fourth round as well. Now that I'm looking at it, but Ben, other than Bruce Anderson, who you think I'm crazy about, and ultimately I will be right about, do you take umbrage with any of these? I watched a little bit of Anderson, just like you know, getting like. Day three, with emphasis, guys, getting my eyes on as many as possible for the live shows, the Draft Network, Nashville. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. He's loose. I'll give you that. He can boogie. He can hit a guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's looking at sometimes, but he's, he's he can move. He can catch it pretty well. I think there was some development with how he pressed the line throughout the year, and that's something that me and Matt Weldman talked about because there were some impatient mm-hmm. runs where he didn't need to bounce as quickly and he could have pressed things a little bit better. But then I think as the season went on and we watched him in the playoffs, because we watched a ton of him in prep for that, Yeah, I, I felt like he got better in that area. So I see what you're saying. I definitely see those concerns there. You know who I just watched a running back, like, again, like scouting out the rest of the guys to make sure I get eyes on everybody, who is good and I should I should do a formal email on is, is uh Madison, the Boise State kid. Alexander Madison. Matt he's tough, dude. He was banged up for that the conference championship game or something like that when it was snowing and he was just yeah. pounding the rock, all beat up. I like him, man. Right. So yeah, so Madison like super high tread, right? And so he's yeah. been there, I swear, for ten years, <laughs> right? Like for a decade. It's actually been like three seasons. I'm pretty sure he declared early. But I mean games. we're talking about yeah like 580 career uh, carries at another 60 receptions. So 640 touches from scrimmage, 330 of them coming this season. Absolute workhorse for yeah. them, right? Didn't test great in the agilities, but for like a 215 guy, he's spry. Yeah. He can move. But then like you said, the toughness, like he is an angry son of a gun. <laughs> like he <laughs> runs with a purpose. I really, I enjoyed his film a lot. He's a smart player. Running backs for me. Uh, Josh Jacobs, one. Daryl Henderson, number two. I will accept no other rankings at this point. Uh, we, we agree with that. Yeah, I mean, that's one yeah, and two exactly. for me. 
and this was the take pre-combine, but especially post-combine, because this, when I was putting these grades in, this running back class tested so badly. I know. Everybody, bad, bad. Elijah Holyfield, awful. Awful. Devin Singletary, awful. Awful. Damian Harris, below average. Right. David Montgomery, bad. Just everybody who, and then like Miles Sanders, good. And everybody's (laughs) like, listen, Miles Sanders could be the first running back on the board because he just (laughs) didn't suck compared to everybody else. But running back three for me is Rodney Anderson. I don't move my grades for red flags. Okay. And so he's just chilling there as running back three. Elijah Holyfield is running back four, which I'll explain in a second. Which, hold uh, on. Damon, what, what round are we in now? Uh, mid three is the okay. grade on Elijah Holyfield. He's my last top 100 player. He's 89 overall. Fair. Damian Harris, uh, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, Darren Hall out of Pittsburgh. He's mm. still good. Nobody watches him. He's great. Uh, and then Miles Gaskin is the last of my top 10 at 138 overall. So here's the thing with Holyfield, because anytime I share my running back rankings, people are like, oh, it's still Holyfield. There's a system in place <laughs> that integrates the athletic testing with the tape grade so that I don't drop a guy too little or too far based off of how he tested, right? Now, there's testing badly, and then there's doing what Elijah Holyfield did, which is running an awful 40, going to your pro day, and running an even worse 40. Yeah. Like, that is a special sort of bad. <laughs> and so, as we talked about with red flags, and, like, injury red flag doesn't drop Anderson, Elijah Holyfield has a red flag on my grading scale, big old red flag, for athletic testing. He tested what would be historically poor for a player who is good. You know what I mean? Like if he becomes good, he's an outlier. Historically bad testing for a player who's good. So what that means now is I have Holyfield as a mid three with a red flag. So if it's my pick at 127 for the Eagles and he's my highest ranked player, but I have five running backs with round four grades. Yeah. If any of them are there and Holyfield's there, I'm taking the round four guy, not Holyfield. So a, a, a mid three grade, which like film wise, he was a two testing brought him down to a three and gave him a red flag i'm not touching him until round five at the earliest Mm. which is a perfectly fine round to select elijah holyfield who will not break many long runs for you but is a fantastic first or second level runner still really like his film clearly he's a very limited player and that's what the red flag does right roddy anderson it's very much likely to be the case that like come day three these are my two highest running backs but I won't draft any of them before any of my round four grades. Right. So that's how sense. red flags integrate into a grading system. I just had to get that off my chest. What about mine are you worried about? I mean, you could really pick your flavor with these running backs. We we both do not like this class, and we both won't have many in the top 100. Darren Hall is a guy that you told me to watch that ended up in your, in your top 10. At the end of the top 10, I mean, I understand we're, we're, we're taking guys that, that we like their skill sets, and it's not a real high grade on him overall. What about him? put him in your top 10 because I started to watch him and I think we disagreed on his wiggle. I think there's some gear down when he has to change direction. I do think working on a vertical plane coming downfield, he can cut and has some good power out of that. I didn't see the tackle breaking or the yards after contact consistently enough and the ability to make people miss when they fill the alley that I thought I would see from a player from his profile. That said, his burst when he gets moving, that's a, yeah. that's a big boy to take down. Right. See, and I remember the first game you watched him was the Stanford game, which Correct. I did not watch of him when I completed the eval. Because I was doing my final day three assignments for the Draft Network for getting our 500 scouting reports up. 500 players <laughs> killed me. And so I only had like three games that I like wanted to even watch of this guy. Yeah. And then I finished the third game and I was like, shoot, he's around four grade, which he was like 
borderline four five, but he tested his pro day really, really well. Yes, he did. So he comes into his pro day, two hundred and seventeen pounds. He goes ahead and runs a four five two with a one hundred and twenty two inch broad and a four oh three short shuttle. Yeah, sub seven three cone at six yeah. nine four. That's Pretty much the only test he did poor line was the vertical jump, which if you can find for me the part where running backs jump vertically, then that's great for you. Other than that, just like that's the only bad measure he's got. So great pro day. The thing with Hall, like Hall as a round four grade, I think a really good way of understanding why he's in that group. I said I have five round four running backs. Very often round four players can be described as a, what I like to call, they're like conditional players. Like my first round four grade is Miles Sanders. You would say like, oh, like fantastic athlete who can string multiple moves together. But right now his vision limits his year one projection. Right. Then it's Devin Singletary, right? Exciting runner who has full field instincts. But right now, his lack of quickness means he won't break as many tackles in the NFL. Then it's David Montgomery. Tremendous contact balance and fight as a runner, but his lack of linear burst will make it difficult for him to get to the first level. Like, everybody yep. is like a butt statement, right? Yep. So Darren Hall, right? Like, slightly upright, powerful runner who is ex- incredibly explosive on a line and has great second-level speed. But his his inability to change directions quickly limits him to, like, inside zone and power concepts, right? So everybody's just like a butt statement. Hall is, is, a, is, a, is a role player. He is a complimentary player, 10 to 12 touches. We're talking about round four running backs. That's what I want for, you know, like, like the other names are bigger guys, like David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, everybody's heard of them. But they are all, all in migrating, they are, are all that sort of back. They're complimentary backs. They're 1Bs. They're lightning yeah. and thunder lightning. That's what Hall is, right? And yeah. so that, like, having him graded there makes sense for what he is. How many complete backs do you think are in this running back class? Two. Henderson and Jacobs? Actually, I would say three. I would say Anderson if he's healthy. Because we forget that Anderson was one of the best pass-catching backs in years. Yeah, I would agree with Anderson. Like I said, he would would have been my running back, too. Do you trust Henderson on inside runs, or do you think he's more of a space player? I think he's more of a space player. I think inside, things get a little wonky for him. Well, I I trust him on inside runs. Uh... If he, if you give him inside zone, he will bounce it because like that's what he does. It's much better as instinct, and it's yeah. important to note. Like, like I like to say, like Memphis was the Oklahoma of the AAC, or Memphis Oklahoma of the group of five. The dude had plain runways to run through at times. Like, yeah. oh, like there he executed inside zone. Well, yeah, twelve of him could have executed inside zone with the with the blocking. Memphis offensive line is great. The left tackle is really good, man. I think that's someone to keep right. an eye on. But yeah, go ahead. They have a tight end whose name yeah. is Joey Magnifico. Oh, that's right. Amazing. And he's good, but this yeah, is the, the, is. that's that's the important part. Right, so Henderson. You, you remember when Doug Peterson talked about uh, running their basic trap, their wham? He said, and, and Ajayi or Clement, whoever it was, is just going to run the B-gap rail. If you give Henderson rail-style power runs where it's just listen, it's a slow-developing play out of the shotgun. He's going to get the handoff, and he's going to have one vertical gap, right? Yeah. He's just hitting one gap. He's coming off one guy's back. He's making Kelsey right. He's making, you know— uh, Ertz right, Goddard right, whoever the, the the key blocker is here, he's just running right off his tail. Henderson could kill those runs on the inside because he's unbelievable burst, right? Yeah. Dude reportedly like ran like a one four split or something. A right? one like, four two ten yard split. Yeah, That's which just like bonkers. kill me, just <laughs> kill me in the face. So yeah, like I wouldn't be giving him a ton of inside zone. Like that's why where I'd be running Howard. But on power style runs that are in the interior, which like. They ran a ton of, like, uh, guard tackle counter. That counter wrap that, like, Oklahoma's made successful. Like, Memphis ran that a ton. Henderson runs that with great success, and it makes a lot of sense for him because right when daylight opens, he's through it like smoke, and the linebackers can't recover. So, uh, yeah, I trust him on inside runs. I would run him on gap-style stuff on the inside. All of that makes sense. Good points, Ben. Ben, that is going to do it for the Kiss and Solak Show, episode 90. 
Will you let the gentle listeners know what we have on tap next? It's pretty obvious. We've said it a thousand times. I'm going to steal it from you. It's the big board fight. The big board yeah. fight. Say goodbye to the gentle listeners. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so my my final big board will be up uh, this weekend. So if you're listening to it, and or it'll be up on Monday. So if you're listening to it on the weekend, it'll be up on, for you on Monday. You can go uh, read it, and it'll be exciting for you. That'll be at the Draft Network. Mike, I'm assuming yours will keep coming up in video form on the old timeline or Bleeding Green Nation. Yeah, I'm going to do it on my timeline, and then I'm going to throw something up in the beginning of the week for Bleeding Green Nation. It'll be my top 50. I don't watch 400 prospects yeah. like you guys at the Draft Network. I respect what you do, but um, I cover the I'll Eagles. have, yeah, I mean, I'll have 200 <laughs> graded, and so that my big board will be 200 players. I've got about 120 graded. But, I did a, like, I did, so I did a finalized it? grade today for a player who ended up in my top, like, 120. Which I like, I, I I think it's too high, but I don't care. It makes you laugh. Trevon Wesco, the West Virginia tight end, Ooh. ended up like 117. I like him. Like that. He's like above Caden Smith. Like, yeah. like, he just, he graded out so well for me, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, so my big board will be up there. Mike's big board will be up. We will be less than two weeks away from the NFL draft. And then Mike and I will compare the big boards. We will see the biggest differences and we will yell at each other online for your entertainment. If you like that sort of stuff, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I, w- I was going to read ratings today, but I couldn't find them on my phone because I don't know how it works but uh rate review and subscribe say funny things we'll laugh about them like ben being brand stark we are friends you are nice have a great day we all we got we all we need we all fly we got. eagles fly what well no i'm just gonna continue causing more chaos at the Why end of the show that? just with increasingly i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna start when you say what uh oh, we, threw me off. we all we all we got i'm gonna come with how do you open the show? You are flying high. I'm going to like, yeah. well, we got, you are flying high. I'm going to start a second show, <laughs> right? As you try to wrap up the first one. I like that. They're going to see the runtime is like an hour and a half. Like what happened? Like, nah, Ben just looped Mike. It totally froze his brain. P-G-N. <laughs>